0: I've asked a couple of people this morning if they wanted to preach. Nobody has said yet that they do. So, any takers? Raise your hand. It's fun. It honestly is. You don't think so. But just imagine, here you are, basically, uh, are we doing on sound? Can you hear me? Yeah? All right. Okay. Just imagine, you get to stand up here and talk, and people just listen to you. Some of you are saying, man, that doesn't even happen at home. That was a joke, but it's probably true. Most jokes that are funny have a little bit of truth in them, don't they? So, well, today is, uh, by the way, that was a beautiful rendition of uh, Be Thou My Vision. Um, whether you Look it up. That's a long song. It was originally done in, it's an Irish tune and then translated to the English. A beautiful song. Thank you very much, really. Well, today's Memorial Day, isn't it? Now, I know in in the schedule here, we're going to continue in our series on uh, what it means to be a church member, but we're also, we remember that on Memorial Day, we remember those who have fallen in battle for our country. And... uh, so to start out today, I'm going to read a poem. I'm going to use technology, pull it right out of my pocket, and uh, read you a poem. And I'll tell you what it is afterwards. Many of you who will, will recognize it. Many of you will, won't have a clue, but I'll tell you about it. In Flanders' fields, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place, and in the sky the larks, still bravely singing fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. That was one of the most popular poems, probably the most popular poem from World War I, and uh, written by one of the soldiers in one of the bloodiest battlefields ever, far surpasses World War II. That's where the trenches were, that's where two very great authors fought and later changed the thought of England by writing, and some of you think, well, I don't know about anything about Flanders Fields and puppies, but uh, you might have heard of uh, this movie called The Lord of the Rings, or you might have heard of The Chronicles of Narnia, and C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien both fought in Flanders Fields, and it affected them and the rest of their life, and they wrote to give their nation hope that even though evil is great and powerful and horrible and crushing... Good, in the end, triumphs. You don't know where it's coming from, but it does. So on Memorial Day today, as we go to prayer, for me, before I start, let's remember those who have made the sacrifice. All right? Father, we thank you this morning for a place to meet as we come together. We come out from the world. We come together, Lord, as believers in you. We have one king. We have one Savior, and it is you, Lord. We pray this morning and we remember those who have sacrificed their life for the ideals and for the freedom of one nation. This one. Lord, we pray today also for those who are actively serving. We ask that you will protect them, that you will bring them home. We thank you, Lord, that you brought this nation into being, and it has been a beacon of hope and a beacon of freedom for more than 200 years. We ask, Lord, that it would last. We know, Lord, that you, at the end of the day, are on the throne, and you will decide how things go. And it is in your hands, Lord. The weather is in your hands. Planting is in your hands. Harvest is in your hands. Sales are in your hands. Jobs, health. Lord, we thank you for what we have, but we remember, Lord, it is in your hands. So, Lord, help us to trust you because it ain't easy. It's not easy, Lord, here to see eternity from where we're standing. So, I pray, Lord, for those who are farmers here and are struggling with planting. And I pray for those who are working. I pray for the students, Lord. Uh, Some home from college for the summer, maybe others that are still in high school and wishing they weren't. Um, And Lord, meet them where they're at. Thank you for Thor as he travels uh, and his family. May they have a good wedding this weekend. And Lord, I pray too for the man that you're preparing that will come and take this pulpit. I pray that you will give him a strong backbone and a passion for truth. Lord, I uh, pray also for the hearts here that will receive him and uh, his family and that they will follow, and they will follow in a unified way. Lord, help me today now, Lord, as I preach. Uh, Help me to be honest and transparent, Um, but also, Lord, help me to speak the truth, and may you be honored and glorified in it. And we'll give you the honor and glory for it, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me this morning... Um, I am going to be reading a lot of verses this morning. So if you want to uh, keep up with me, you can. If you brought your Bibles, if you didn't, I will try to be faithful to the text. Of course, this morning I decided that I would use my New International Version just because it lines up a little bit closer with some of the things that we're doing in the book this morning. Of course, this Sunday uh, we are looking at church member, and it's, I will be a unifying church member. I will be a unifying church member. Um, I was a, me- a member for many years of a mission named Gospel Missionary Union. And uh, one. Uh, uh, there were different times and different meetings that I were, was in, and I remember Bill Reich saying, well, we are gospel and we're a mission, but we're not unified in much of anything. Well, that that sometimes talks about the church. You know, if you're all pulling in the same direction, you're really going to get somewhere. But if you're pulling in opposite directions, you're not going to get very far at all. I remember one day trying to push start my car. And the person that was helping me had been given clear instructions that they were to put the gear shifter in, second gear, and depress firmly the clutch. It was a slight downhill, and no matter how hard I pushed, I could not get that thing rolling. I was not a happy camper when I found out that they were firmly depressing the brake. <laughs> that's not unified. And that's what we're talking about this morning is getting in the same direction. And the scripture from John 13, verses 31 through 35, is the introduction to that. When he was gone... Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will glorify the Son in Himself and will glorify Him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that, folks, is a big command. Do you love each other? How much? Well, let's talk a little bit about unity and how that how that works. So the first part is just this. Love makes it possible. Love makes it possible. If we turn over to the book of Ephesians and we talk, uh, we're going to read from chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And it reads thus. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord... Jesus, and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here Paul is writing the Ephesians, and they have got a reputation. Now back when I was in high school, you didn't want a reputation, but you got one whether you wanted to or not. And I'll still run into people from many years ago, and to some of them I say, hello, and others I say, hey, how's it going? Because people don't forget, do they? But these guys had a reputation, your love for all the saints. Now, it's not hard to love most of the saints most of the time. But it is hard to love all the saints all the time. Because there are some weirdos in this church. If you're a weirdo, would you please raise your hand? All right, there are a few who will admit it. The rest of you, you're secret weirdos. But... Look, we're not all the same. We don't dress the same. We don't walk the same. We don't talk the same. We don't have the same sense of humor. And so then we get into all sorts of squabbles and problems and things like that. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. What reputation does this church have? Now, I I tell you, I live far enough away, I didn't know anything about this church. So I don't know what your reputation was. Well, I knew Charlie and Francis were here. Then I found out Steve and Twiller were here, and that was okay. That was okay. But a reputation. You're going to have a reputation in the community and around the world. If we read on Ephesians in chapter 4, Paul writes a little bit more in verses 1 through 3 in chapter 4. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Diligently keeping the unity of the spirit. So now what does this imply? This implies it just isn't going to happen. Now, I know some of your names. Because of that, I get to pick on you. So, uh, let's see. Francis? Francis? How are you this morning? Good. Do you remember the day you fell in love with Charlie? Was it hard? Did you have to try really hard? No. There have probably been a few other days since then where you had to try a little bit. That's the case how it works. It's not hard to love the person that comes in the door the first day. But it's a little bit hard to keep loving them. And so Paul here is saying to the Ephesians, hey, you guys got a good reputation Keep it up. Keep it up. It's all great and fine to go through this book. I know some of you read it several times. Some of you read it once. Some of you use the hair dryer method that I used in college for required reading. You know what that is. You open your eyes wide, you look at the book, and turn the hair dryer out and let the pages go as fast as they can. And then you half lie and say, well, I read it. I looked at the pages anyway. Doesn't help you, but you do. But it's you know it's one thing. We we look at the book now. We talk about it. Well, that's fine. But how's it going to look six months from now? How's it going to look ten years from now? Keep on loving. Got a good reputation. Keep on loving. Over in the book of Colossians, which is also written by the book of Paul, and he's writing here to to the church. And um, in verse fourteen, he says to them. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Above all. Now, what above all what? Well, uh, if you look up above, it says, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly, beloved, close yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, I want to tell you something that may or may not be popular with you, but I'm going to start with this, okay? Now, this would be popular. It should be, this is a Bible. This is absolute truth. You can find absolute truth in this book. If someone tells you that you can't, they're lying to you. Do not believe them. This is where you can find absolute truth. So when you look at this book and you say, "Now here is some truth," one uh, uh, where can I find? I can find in the Bible. What does the Bible say about love? I often talk to young people, uh, and you and and who are dating, or are wanting to be dating, and I'll tell you. I tell them, "Okay, I have more experience than you." I most of you know this here. If you don't, you should. Uh, Louisa and I have been married now 10 years. It's a second marriage for both of us. We had uh, uh, So I had a previous marriage and then a divorce and all the suffering and misery and pain. It never goes away, by the way, so don't choose that option. Uh, and God has given me a very beautiful second life. But I will, and I tell young people, I guarantee you I know more about this thing than you do. Because I've loved and failed and loved again. How about you now? So here it is. The Bible, what does it say about, what's the secret of a good marriage according to the Bible? You get all shivery when you see the other one? I told my wife, I'm kind of homely. You probably shiver when you see me in the morning. But <laughs> I mean, what's, what is it? No, it's a wise choice. It's not based, it's not even based on love. Now, you may or, not, may or may not like to, I'm going to tell you something, love is a choice. Now, you, don't, you may not believe it when you fall in love, but afterwards, 10, 15, 20 years into it, it is a choice. It's also a beautiful choice. But you choose, in the same way, you want unity in this church, here's the first, love makes it possible. So you are either going to choose to love people, or you're going to choose not to. It isn't like, well, I don't choose to. I don't choose anything. Oh, yes, you did. You just chose nothing. It is an effort. It is a decision. And the actions start. Afterward, your mind and your heart kind of gets lined up. But unity, you are the source of unity in the church. Every one of you. Not that group or my wife or that group or this guy over here or them. I'm just going to be neutral. There is no neutral. You are the source of unity, or the lack thereof, in the church. And it is absolutely of the utmost importance. That's what Paul is telling the Ephesians and the Colossians. Guys, you want to have a good reputation. Unity. Love each other, and that's based on love. So you will decide to love, or you will decide not to love. Be a unifier. Be a unifier. There's a song most of us learned when we were little kids. And it talks about love. And it talks where that love comes from. Now, several of you were here on uh, Mother's Day, and and, uh, my wife was here briefly in here. And she was here with Sophie, our little girl. And uh, Sophie's autistic. Now, every night when I put Sophie to bed and she doesn't talk, I sing a song to her. And it goes like this. Jesus loves me, this I know. Come on, sing it with me, you know it. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And that's the truth. And because he loves us, that's what Paul says, because he loves us, you can choose to love the other weirdos in this church. And unity comes out of that choice. Be a unifier. Be a unifier. Love makes unity possible. Second point Gossip kills it. Oh, that was really a nice conversation we had about love. Now, we're going to hear talk about gossip. Isn't that lovely? Anybody here uh, like to gossip? Anybody going to raise your hand? You know what? I, I, I have to admit, I do. <laughs> it, I mean, if we're at work and it's break time and somebody's telling some really interesting story, I mean, I'm, I'm paying attention. If they're talking about their dentist appointment, they were, I don't care. But really, and I come by it honestly, my dad was a great guy. But uh, the other day, one of my sisters was telling me something, and it just sounded, I said, did you get that out of the National Enquirer? I said, what, is, I mean, do you follow in dad's, foot? my dad used to buy the National Enquirer. He thought that was the greatest newspaper. <laughs> and he would read that thing, and it was, it was interesting. I mean, there were aliens living everywhere. But sometimes he would tell a story, and it's like, I think that came out of the National Enquirer. But those stories are good, aren't they? Are they? In- of course, they're interesting. I don't sit down at night and read stories that aren't interesting. I like to read, but I read stuff that's interesting. It's you know, like, oh, let's give a report on white socks. Well, I have got to read that. <laughs> so, so the truth to be told is, most of us like. To hear a good piece of gossip, and we also kind of like to do it even though we know we shouldn't. It's kind of like a bad habit. And so, but in Romans chapter 1, verses 29 to 31, there is a list of bad stuff. And it's talking about people who are walking in the world. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 29 to 31, it says they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. thats I mean, can you imagine just letting loose on somebody and giving them the whole, you are, blah, 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 you can go all the way through there. <laughs> In the middle of that awful list is gossip. And gossip is a unity killer, usually because it's based on a lie. And so Paul here is writing, he says, come on, guys, these are the things. These are not signs, remember, over here, they'll know you're Christians by your love. They will not know you're Christian by your gossip. So watch the gossip. If you turn over to the book of James, which is towards after Hebrews, in comes James, um, In chapter 3, verse 6, and there's a little verse there. It says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow! Just the tongue. It's a small thing, corrupts the whole body, can direct the whole ship. James goes into a long discussion of it, and it's all about gossip. Of course, It's amazing, he talks about, the you know, you go to a well, you don't get sweet water and salt water out of the same well. Neither should you curse and bless with the same tongue. But you know we do it. We do. Sometimes we do it in jest. I remember a very fine missionary lady, Phyllis Yoder, I was trying to open a door and she said, Oh, that door you have to cuss at to get it to open. He said, well, it's the truth. I'm sorry. But gossip is another thing. That's doing damage to a person, not an inanimate object. And so the tongue is a fire. Watch it. 1 Peter 3.10 says this. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. And so that's Peter. Now, Peter and Paul have both put the hammer on gossip. If you want to argue with them someday, you get to glory, you look them up. I don't think you'll win the argument. Peter and Paul have both. And, And so gossip is a killer. So we're talking about unity. Love makes it possible. Gossip kills it. Here are three thoughts on it. Don't start gossip. Don't, don't don't be the one who starts it. Don't start it. Number two, stop gossip. You know how to do it. You can be you can be as aggressive as you're permitted to be, and kindness and being kind and tenderhearted and compassionate. But somebody comes and tells you some gossip. Don't respond. They'll stop talking. Just say nothing. It's really, really uncomfortable for people. In fact, if I stopped talking right now for a minute, you guys would really start to fidget. We're not used to that. People come with God, don't say anything. Or you can take the more direct approach and say, you know, brother, I think you should read First Peter 3.10. But face-to-face, that's one rule we have at work. Where I'm at, and that is all praise is public and all uh, discipline is private. So if you're going to do that and you're going to stop a gossip, then you must do it in in private. Stop them, but be a unifier. Just you choose to love, be a unifier. You're going to stop gossip, be a unifier. Will Rogers. Had a lot of pithy comments and he said never miss a good chance to shut up <laughs> now that's kind of straightforward but you know what that's the way we really talk you know I don't you don't uh, there's no way if I meet you on the street you would say oh I beseech you therefore brother by the mercies of God that thou wouldst accompany me to a cup of coffee no that's not how we talk now it's good to read scripture it's good to be educated it's good to be able to speak well but it also at times figure it out sometimes folks we just need to keep my dad used to say to me, and I am a talker, I am a talker. He'd say, Danny, God gave you one mouth and two ears. That means you should listen twice as much as you talk, for goodness sake. I'd say, oh, why did you blah, 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 and just shake his head. But be careful with your tongue. Be a unifier. So... Love makes it possible, gossip kills it, forgiveness keeps it going. Forgiveness keeps it going. The married folks here will tell you if you don't learn to forgive, you're not going to have a happy marriage. Because I don't care how nice they are, how cute they are, how good they bake bread, It, it doesn't matter. You, man, all know, you will say the wrong thing or not say the right thing at some point in your existence and you will hear what did you mean by that and when the, when when the wife says that for you single people you just stand there for a minute and you just think inside your your don't roll the eyes outside but roll the you roll the eyes inside and say i have no idea i didn't say anything or i'd said you got to forgive you forgive little things you forgive big things and some really really painful things don't we? We do. But What does God say about it when we're talking about the church? And we go to Matthew chapter 6, and we read a little bit more what Jesus had to say. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, it's a very hard verse. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Folks, that's a pretty tough verse. That's not easy to do. I don't know all the ramifications, but I do know if you're holding bitterness inside of you you're not going to be praying you don't have a good relationship with with the Lord at that time you're just holding on to that it's like you got a bit between your teeth and and uh, I have uh, you know I have one brother and three sisters and my brother and one of the sisters I have to admit I almost uh, well part of me doesn't like to have them in the same room and the other part kind of does because it's just humorous it hasn't changed in 40 years. And the one says, oh, it's a nice day. Well, what's nice about it? Well, the birds are saying, well, I don't like that kind of bird. It's like, and and then occasionally, if I'm not careful, I start to needle them to really get them going. You know, and my wife says, Daniel, stop. I said, well, you know. But honestly, they could not sit in church together and both of them are believers, and both of them would consider themselves and say that they are serious about their relationship with Christ, but they could not sit here together and worship freely. They were sitting side by side. Something would happen. Do you have to sing too loud? Something. Well, sometimes that happens in the church, and you're not brothers and sisters, but that stops you from that relationship being where it was but that's pretty strong when Christ says, if you don't forgive other people, you're not going to get forgiveness yourself. I want to stop for a second and say, I don't have any idea how horribly some of you have been wronged. I don't know. But I know what scripture says, and Christ will take us through it if we'll listen to him. If we turn over to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. Verses 12 and 13. Uh, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Whatever. Yeah, it includes everything so there's no escape there for us. So forgiveness keeps it going. That unity thing. Uh, We all sin. We all make mistakes. We are all hypocrites sometimes. Be a forgiver. Be a forgiver. When it comes to forgiveness, Mother Teresa said this, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. Cory Ten Boom, who was a prisoner of the Nazis in World War II, Said this, forgiveness is setting the prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was me. Learn to forgive and free yourself. Church members, unity is of the utmost importance. Love makes it, gossip kills it, forgiveness keeps it going. Be a unifier. Love one another. Be a unifier. Kill gossip. Be a unifier. Forgive one another. Lord Jesus, as we come before you today, we thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, help us to forgive one another. Because we can't without your holy power. Lord, help us to shy from gossip, to stop gossip, and to not gossip. But Lord, with your help we can, and without you we can't. Lord, help us to love one another as you love us. With your power we can. We'll give you the honor and the glory for it, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.